Well, I did a good job this morning. I ran about two-thirds of you off. <laughs> you know, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ do not have good habits. They've got habits, but it's a good habit to want to worship. It's a good habit to want to sing. It's a good habit to want to study God's Word. That's a great habit. And if you don't have that habit, you need to develop that habit. One of these days, the time you spend in worship will be some of the most precious moments of your life as you look back over it. You'll never regret moments you spent in worshiping the Almighty God. You may regret some of the other moments in your life, but you'll never regret those moments in your life. And we pray that all people will come to know God and worship God. Now, that's what we pray. But we know there's going to be opposition and there are going to be individuals who choose not to do that. Tonight I'm going to discuss a topic that a lot of folks don't want you to discuss. They'd rather not hear it. Uh, they don't want to make application in their life concerning this topic. But I'm going to discuss it anyway because it's in the Bible. And what's in the Bible is the truth. And we're told that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We're also told that the truth is God's word. Sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. That's John 8, 32, John 17, at verse 17. So we've come tonight to study God's word, to open our hearts and reason on God's word, not man's wisdom. Let me ask you this question. If you wanted to know how to get to heaven, to spend eternity in the home of the blessed, in the presence of the Almighty, who would you consult? Who would you consult? Would you not consult the one who had been there and came and gave you the message? Rather than some man or some group of men here on this earth that's never been there? Wouldn't you want to consult, hear from, listen to Jesus Christ? I think that'd be a proper source. Now, all the words of Jesus we do not have recorded. But we do have sufficient information to tell us about him. Why he came from heaven to earth. What he did while he was here. And sufficient information concerning his resurrection and ascension to say, along with others of the past, some of them being apostles, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So I believe we'd want to listen to him. Now that Jesus came and made promises concerning me and you. He said, I want my people to be called out of the world, out of darkness, out of fellowship with Satan. I want them to be called and transformed into the kingdom of light. I want them to see the way, to follow the way that I have shown them so that when I return, I can take them to the Father. 
I can be their mediator while they're on earth. I can be their counsel at the judgment as well as their judge, and I can introduce them to the throne of the Heavenly Father. No man can do that. So don't come here tonight expecting this man or any other man here or woman or anyone on the face of this earth who's ever lived or who's living or who will live other than Jesus Christ to direct you in the proper way. He has the words of life. There is salvation in none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter told his audience, other than the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. Not only should you love that name, you should follow his commands. And so as we think about the topic tonight, we think about what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to establish my church. As we read in the New Testament, his church had its beginning in the city of Jerusalem. Following his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, his church had its beginning. And it had its beginning among the Jewish people. And the apostle Peter and the other apostles recorded in Acts chapter 2 stood up and preached that the prophecy of Joel and the prophets of old had prophesied this time. And they said, this is now the time. And they told the audience on that occasion how to become a part of Christ's church. When the people said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Yes, we have participated in killing the Son of God. Now we realize our mistake. What can we do to make things right? They were told you need to change your mind about Jesus Christ. You thought he was an enemy of God. Now you see he's the Son of God. You need to change your thinking about living your life under the Mosaical law. And you need to come under the better law that Jesus Christ has introduced. You need to repent, change your mind, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And we continue reading, and with many other words did he testify and exhort them, saying, Save yourself. You remember this morning I made the statement? If you haven't been baptized, you need to save yourself. You need to get baptized. Baptism into Jesus Christ is into his death where he shed his blood and his blood becomes our life-saving, soul-saving energy. You need to do that. That's what the apostle Peter told the audience and the other apostles that were speaking in different languages to different people, 16 different nations assembled in the city of Jerusalem to hear that message and every man heard in his own language. And that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And aren't you disappointed? Because estimates are in the city of Jerusalem at that time, at the Passover feast, there would have been somewhat like a million people there. 
and only 3,000 responded, 3,000 honest souls responded. We sometimes glorify that numbers. Wow, if we could do that today. If we could do that today. My friends, only 3,000 responded. But that 3,000, according to the last verse of the second chapter of Acts, that 3,000 were added to the Lord's church. They were added to the Lord's church. Did you hear me? The Lord's church. Who knows more about the church than the Lord himself? Jesus said, I'm going to build it. I am going to be the one to establish it. And he did. And he said, I'm going to be the ruler over it. I'll be the king. No one else gets to be king over the church but Jesus Christ. In fact, he is the head of the church, which is his body. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he's the head. You know, you need to watch when you talk about, well, I want the church to go this way. And I want the church to go that way. The statement ought to be, we want the church to go Christ's way. It's his church, that's what he desires, and that's what we want, the church to go his way. When you think about that Ephesian passage there, in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, God has given him the preeminence over all things and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his, help me out, which is his bodies, which is his body, singular. And then we turn over a few pages to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and it says, listen now, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We call it the ones, the seven ones of Ephesians chapter 4. But notice what it said at the very beginning. Remember, the church is Jesus' body. The body is one. Are you still with me? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, down at verse 12, it says, there is one body, but there's many members. So in the body of Christ, the church, there's many members. And all these members have not the same function. That's a discussion there in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. They don't have the same function. But there are many members, but there's still one body. Well, what are you going to call that one body? Jesus said to Peter, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I'm in the 16th chapter of Matthew, verse 13. They respond, Well, some are saying you're John the Baptist, some are saying you're Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. To that he responded, but who do you say I am? Peter responded, well, I've come to the conclusion since I've seen all your miracles. 
I've come to the conclusion since I've heard all your words, since I've watched you in your life, I've come to the conclusion after about three years with you that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's my conclusion. You've got to come to a conclusion about Jesus Christ yourself. That was Peter's conclusion. He had seen eyewitness now all that Christ had done, never seen anything like that in his life. He had heard the words of Jesus, Jesus even saying, you know, I have come down from heaven. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the promised Messiah. You are the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. That's who you are. To which Jesus responded, Blessed art thou, Simon, the son of Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you, that upon this rock, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you remember I already said in Acts chapter 2, Peter had the keys and he opened the kingdom to the Jewish nation. Still in the book of Acts, I turn over to chapter 10. And here we have the apostle Peter, the one that Jesus said, I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you shall loose shall be loosed. Whatsoever you shall bind shall be bound. But here's the keys to the kingdom. And yet Jesus had told the apostles that he wanted them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew chapter 10, but to all, every creature. He had told them that. But Peter had only preached the gospel. Mm, I stepped off that as a half inch. He had only preached the gospel to the Jewish people. Acts chapter 10, what's he going to do? Start preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And in the Bible, you have Jew and Gentile in the New Testament. That includes all mankind. And then we have, of course, in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, the call of man, Saul of Tarsus, who became the great apostle Paul, that was a gospel preacher to the Gentile nation. Peter, mostly to the Jews, but Paul to the Gentile nation. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, Listen to me, invited into the ecclesia, into the church, into the called out body, everyone, male and female, Jew and Gentile. So I go back now to Acts chapter 2. In my mind, and it said, and that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And daily... Souls were being added to the church. Verse 47. So I asked this question. To what church were the souls added? It says 3,000. It says daily after that. And then you read about 5,000 men. And then you read about men and women being converted. To what church were they added? We've got to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. You can't listen to the words of men. Jesus knows more about salvation than any man. He knows more about the church than any man. We listen to him. Well, it had to be the church that Jesus said 
he was going to establish. The called out body of believers, believers in Jesus Christ, who would faithfully follow his commands. If you love me, keep my commandments. Those following his commandments. It had to be that group of people. You know, to ask the question is foolish. I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you ready? It's foolish. To what church was Bartholomew added? Thaddeus. Peter, John, James. What church were they at? They were apostles. To the Lord's church. That's the reason that you read in Romans 16, verse 16, the churches of Christ, the church of the Christ, individual congregations composing the church of Christ, the one body. They were members, but they were one body. It would be right then if he said he was going to build his church and if he died for his church, and of course Acts the 20th chapter verse 28 says to the Ephesian elders there as he's speaking to them in the city of Miletus, he said, I want you to pay attention now. Pay attention to the flock. Why you gotta pay attention to the flock? Because it required Jesus Christ's blood to purchase that flock. Take the oversight of the church, but do it with care because it required the blood of Jesus Christ to purchase that. We come together and we remember the Lord's blood through the memorial of the Lord's Supper. He gave his life. He gave his life's blood so that we could be a part of his body. His blood flows in his body. His body of believers on this earth would be his kingdom. He's the king over his kingdom. Be the called out ones, called out of the world, out of sin, into the marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. Stop. I know there may be somebody here saying, well, you know, man's pretty smart. He can come up with religion too. Man is sometimes so intellectual that he can make God, thinks he can make God look foolish. What do you think God thinks? When some intellectual tries to come up with a way that we are here on this earth and all things were uh, brought together on this earth without creation, what do you think God thinks about that? About a wise person like that? Trying to come up with some theory to take God out of the picture. I don't know if God chuckles. Maybe he just gets angry. Maybe his wrath is stimulated by such a thought. They can see all things and they try to come up with something to block me out of the picture. Well, people try to come up with things that will take God out of the picture religiously. There's an example again in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 12. You remember the first king, King Saul, followed by King David, followed by King Solomon, 
There was the United Kingdom. And then we talk about following the United Kingdom. Rehoboam, the son of, of uh, Solomon. And then Jeroboam. And we come to the divided kingdom there in the 12th chapter of 1 Kings. And here's what Jeroboam said. He had taken 10 tribes to the north, leaving only the two tribes to the south, basically the tribe of Judah to the south, and God preserving the tribe of Judah to bring the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is none other than Jesus Christ, into existence on this earth. But nevertheless, here's Jeroboam up there. He said, I've got a plan, a plan that's better than God. I'm going to come up with golden calf worship rather than worship monotheism, the one God. So I'm going to come up with idolatry. Now wait just a minute, Jeroboam. You're a bright guy. You're leading these people. Do you remember back in Exodus 32 when Aaron and the people fashioned the golden... You remember what happened there? You remember they had to drink that stuff? You remember 3,000 people? You remember how bad it turned out? Well, he's not thinking about the past. He's thinking about the person. I'm smarter than back there when Aaron fashioned that calf. Because I've lived, I'm living hundreds of years after Aaron. So he said, I'll fashion a golden calf. And since it's 11 miles from Bethel down to Jerusalem, I don't want my people going back to Jerusalem and worshiping down there as God directed them. We'll just stop them at Bethel. And all those folks up north, 140 miles to the north, up there at Dan, I'll put a golden calf up there too. So it'll be convenient. It'll be more to their liking. Well, that sounds pretty good, Jeroboam, you're thinking. And about this Levitical priesthood and only priest from the tribe of Levi, well, there's no need of thinking about that because many of those from the tribe of Levi joined Judah. They went down to Judah. So he said, from the lowest kind of people, just common people, I'll appoint priest. And to make everything okay, I'll even appoint myself as a priest. And that... Seventh month, 15th day deal that they've got going down there. Nah, I'm going to change that to the eighth month. And he did. Do you know the consequences of him deciding that he was smarter than God? And coming up with his own religion, coming up with his own worship, coming up with his own church people. You know the consequences of it? By the time you finish 1 Kings, and then you're in 2 Kings, and you're coming close to the end of the chapter, by the time you get to the, uh, I mean, end of the book, you get to the 23rd chapter, here come the Babylonians. <laughs> here comes the destroying army, and utterly destroys them. Utterly destroys them. You can't come up with a better idea concerning the church than Jesus had. That's an impossibility. But men are doing it all the time and that's the reason you have so many different religions teaching and thinking and doing different things and calling it the work of God. They're coming up with those ideas. They're no smarter than Jeroboam. They are the Jeroboams of the world. And there's consequences for being the Jeroboams of the world. And we need to keep that in mind. You can't be doing that. God has a plan. His plan was to send his son. 
His son taught us. And then he gave the commission to the apostles to teach all things so that we could be educated in what God wants us to do. Wants us to do. And when you say, well, I've got this thought about religion and I've got this thought about religion, you're confused. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10? And it uses this expression, that we are to be of the same mind and of the same judgment. But it starts off in verse 10, let there be no divisions among you. Let there be no divisions among the body of Christ. Let us be joined together in one mind and in one judgment. Do you recall in the 17th chapter of John at verses 20 and 21 what Jesus prayed? He was with his apostles on that occasion. The 15th, 16th, and 17th chapters of John. But one of the things he prayed, that they all, future people, they, that'd be me and you, they may all be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us. That the world might believe unity. That's what we have in the New Testament concerning the church. And some people say, well, I'll take Christ, but I don't want his church. You can't separate Christ from his church. You can go and sit under a tree all you want to and talk about how much you love Jesus Christ. And there could be a knot on that log. And you'd be the knot on the log sitting under that tree because Jesus said, you have to have the church if you have me. In fact, the church, which is us, believers, we're referred to as the bride of Christ. I don't like this verse because it makes me do things I really don't want to do at times. But it's in the Bible, so I've got to try to do it. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. Now, I don't mind that one, but here's what I don't like. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Ooh, that's a tough one there. Lover, do you give your life up for her? Boy, if we had some husbands like that, we wouldn't have any divorces. Well, I don't know. Some of these women may not love their husband like that. I don't know. But he loves the church. Don't be trying to separate Christ from the church. Man is involved in the church, but man cannot improve the church. Man can only abuse the church. And when you start talking about, well, I'm going to improve the church, watch out lest you do damage to the Lord's church. See, we are a local assembly of God's people right here, right now. We are the church assembled here right now. If the Apostle Paul was writing a letter, he'd say right now to the Sunny Slope Saints, to the church at Sunny Slope. He could write a letter to his kidney. And in that letter, he would talk about the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, through whose blood we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. And in which we are the called out people, we should honor and glorify and praise God. And then he might even add in that letter something like this. Brethren, keep your behavior right. 
For the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven one of these days. And he will call up the church at Sunny Slope to present the church to God, even the Father. Putting my paraphrase into 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. We'll be called up. And when we are, we will be collected as the people of God. You know, if you want to talk about a spiritual kingdom, and that's what we are. This kingdom of Jesus on this earth is not something of flesh and blood. The kingdom is a spirit, so the kingdom of God is within us, as is taught by the uh, truth of the gospel. It's within us. And because it is within us, we need to be sure that what we are doing in our life is honoring, holding up the body of Christ. When you, when you have believed in Jesus and except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. When you have repented of your sins and Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. When you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Or as the Apostle Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When you have been buried with Him, you remember He gave His life and He was buried. When you've been buried with Him in baptism to arise to walk in the newness of life, then my friends, you are a part of His kingdom. You are a member of of his church. You are a part of the saved ones, the forgiven ones, the saints, that he is looking to come one of these days and with God's approval, with God's approval, because God's going to approve of anyone that Jesus Christ approves of, with God's approval, you'll be ushered in to that eternal kingdom. And while we live here, we need to be known as Christians. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Acts 11 verse 26. And let me add right here. If you women are you men are you boys or girls? Are not living a Christ-like life even though you have been buried with your Lord in baptism and you've decided to walk in darkness, you haven't transformed your life, but you've consolidated your life for the world. You haven't hated the world, but you've loved the world. Don't you think that you need to either drop the name Christian or repent and start living the name as you ought to? Some of my brothers and sisters in Christ are bringing shame on the body of Christ. They are an ulcer, they're a cancer on the body of Christ because people in the community and their family members know that they're not living the Christian life they're supposed to be living and they won't repent. There was a man who was a sorcerer he liked to make money illegally he liked doing that he saw a chance to make more money hearing the preaching of the preachers 
He was baptized for the remission of his sins. Didn't get his heart changed though. He wanted to continue this mysterious life of being a sorcerer. Peter said to him, your heart's not right. And when your heart's not right with God, you're not gonna be in heaven with God. What is that song? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? And Christian, if it's not, then you're bringing shame on the Lord's people. You're bringing shame on the body of Christ. So we need to be teaching about the church. We need to be bringing people into the saved body of Christ's kingdom. We need to honor Christ. We need to honor his one standard. We need to honor his plan of salvation. And we as the church need to teach and practice what Christ taught us to teach and practice. And if we'll do that, all will be well with our soul. Otherwise, we're going to have some problems. There may be diatrophies in your life. You don't want those around. There may be fussing women like the Apostle Paul talked to the Romans about. We don't want to be in that group. I hope you come back tomorrow night. I'm going to talk tomorrow night about us being merciful. Merciful. I think during my years of preaching, I really never preached much on mercy. But I'm going to preach it tomorrow night. And if you can't at all come back Tuesday night, because I'm going to be talking about blindness, spiritual blindness. And if you come back Wednesday night, I'm going to talk about the culture that I'm living in today. The culture that is doing its best to suppress or silence the truth. We'll be discussing that. And if the truth is ever suppressed, nullified, what are you left with? It's either true or it's a lie. So we'll talk about that Wednesday evening. So I've got some thoughts that I want to share with you, and I hope you have the time to share as well. We'll sing some songs. We will enjoy one another's company. But our main objective is to make us better people. How old are you? 87? And you claim you can't get any better? You know, there's some 33-year-olds that think, I'm as good as I'll ever be. I'm as smart as I'll ever be. I'm as spiritual as I've ever been. Oh, 33-year-old, you don't know how many years you got to go through to make it to 87. You don't know. But we can be better. We can treat our wife better. We can treat our husband better. We can treat our children better. And somebody might say, but I'm doing the best I can. No, you're not. No, I'm not. We can always do better. Our community better. Our church family better. And I think that we can also do better toward God. We pray in our prayers that he may be honored and glorified. But it's through our actions he's going to be honored and glorified. 
And if we need to improve that, we need to do it. And if tonight you need to change your life in relationship to your thinking about a, being a Christian, being a member of the Lord's church, being in his kingdom, if you need to change your life and you need the prayers of the church, we'll pray on your behalf. If you need your sins washed away in baptism, then it's time to go ahead and do that. Don't put that off. Put that off enough. Do you remember I told you this morning about a 14-year-old child? He didn't plan on dying, but he did. He did. I want to add something to that story. And it's the unknown. It's the unknown. Good boy. Excellent student. Had everything going for him. And if you weren't here this morning, you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. But he left this world at 14 not having been baptized. I don't know how God thinks about that. I know one 14-year-old that was baptized. And he knew he ought to do that probably a year or more before. I know him. I don't know about that 14-year-old, and I don't know about what God thought. But don't put that off. Don't put that off. If God says it, if Jesus Christ commanded it, then we need to do it. And if you need to respond, why not come while we stand and sing?